Here's my question, though. Let's say the Bucks somehow miraculously do uh, end up winning the series and then go on to the Eastern Conference Finals and then maybe get bounced there. Is Mike Budenholzer still fired? Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. What saves Mike Budenholzer? I think he's done after this season. If the Bucks don't, I guess. I think at a minimum, at, all. at a minimum, he's got to make the uh, NBA Finals. He's showing that he's progressing. Yeah, because anything yeah. he's been rugressing, right? For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, look at what they did uh, two years ago, where they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then you lose. Was it uh, the semifinals again last year? Yep. Eastern Conference semifinals second round against the second round friggin' Heat, and then it'd be the same exact thing this year. Yeah, uh, right there, front page headline, third one down, Mike Budenholzer, Bucks facing franchise-defining pressure versus the Nets. Is it really franchise-defining pressure? What is what? Are, when you guys think of the Milwaukee Bucks right now and the state of the franchise, is this a franchise-defining pressure against Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and maybe eventually a James Harden in the Brooklyn Nets? Is this a franchise-defining moment? I think it could be. Because like if they frankly, come back to if you're embarrassed here after I think you could probably say uh the Bucks added talent to this team in the offseason to get better, and you go out and lose in a more embarrassing fashion. It's the, the Milwaukee the team, Bucks, though. The team has been so frustrating. Uh Post that Toronto lost in the last two seasons because we've talked about it over and over and over. The NBA is probably the worst uh, sports league to watch during the regular season because guys take nights off. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's called load management. Other times it's, you know, Lower whatever. body injury. Yeah. <laughs> guys take nights off. Sometimes one team will show up that could be the worst team in the NBA playing the best team in the NBA, and the best team in the NBA doesn't show up and rests a bunch of guys, so all of a sudden they take a loss. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's just not as it's not as fun to watch because it's not as competitive because there's different styles of play during the regular season because guys don't care or don't care as much. And you can have a below 500 record and still make the playoffs. And it's and the reason why it's so frustrating is because Man. we've had players themselves come out and say, well, the regular season doesn't mean anything. But yet when you watch in the regular season, you're like, oh, well, the Bucks just hammered insert team here by 30 because that team didn't care to play and the Bucks were all in that night. Yeah. And... The Bucks are a great regular season team too, so it's like the, the time when you don't really need to watch them or want to watch them because no one cares. That's when they're good. So when the bright lights are on, <laughs> when everyone wants to watch them in the playoffs, that's when they shrink. Yeah, yeah. Bucks facing franchise-defining pressure versus Nets as a franchise for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, just in my uh, short life so far on this earth, I've known the Milwaukee Bucks pretty much the majority of my time being alive is one thing: awful. Awful. And yep. the Bucks a franchise-defining pressure. I don't mean to sound jaded, but it's going to come across that way. I full well expect the Bucks to get embarrassed again and bounce out of the playoffs against the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. When I think of the Milwaukee Bucks, I think of a franchise that, uh, by no fault of their own, I mean, that's just happened to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where it's hard to get a big name to come there. They somehow find a, a diamond in the rough in Giannis Adenikumbo, some guy who was playing in a dilapidated gym out in Greece, uh, D3, uh, going against hairy European guys who smoke cigarettes during timeouts, and Giannis is out there balling. Uh, John Hammond, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to draft this guy. 
they somehow found this this kid who had to share shoes with his brothers. Like the story of Giannis is absolutely incredible. The fact that Giannis committed to the Bucks, wants to stay, became a back-to-back MVP, one of the top players in the game, yet his number two was Chris Middleton. <laughs> is it, it, it says a lot about the Bucks and the franchise. A franchise-defining pressure against the Nets. I'm sure, it, yeah, it is. Can you come back down 2-0 against three of the greatest players in the game currently that are, reside on one team in Brooklyn? Yeah, it would be franchise-defining. But here's the thing. It's the second round of the playoffs. Every year for the Bucks, outside of a handful, I've known the Bucks to either not make the playoffs, win 15 games one year, or just be a, a below low tier NBA team that never makes the playoffs. You mean anyways. like a seven or eight seed? Yeah, that just <laughs> that would they're lucky make to it be to there. the playoffs, and they was like, oh, the Bucks made it to the playoffs with like a 500 record. Yeah, well, let's and sell then they some get merchandise. Slaughtered. Yeah, that's like the Herb Cole days. It's like, man, they didn't know what anything but the eight seed yeah. was. Herb Cole did not realize that anything above an eight seed existed. He just was like, oh man, we get an extra couple of weeks to sell some t-shirts. Cool. And <laughs> while the rest of the NBA was figuring out that you want to be a top contender or tanking, the Bucks continued to to just twirl in the eight seed. <laughs> be like, oh, we made the playoffs again. <laughs> you know, oh well, the team's not getting any better from year to year. Is, am I wrong in saying I think the Bucks might have missed their franchise-defining moment, and that was against the Toronto Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals? Wouldn't that have been the franchise-defining moment? You get past the Claw, Kawhi Leonard, you get past the Raptors, and you punch your ticket to the NBA well, Finals. I think, I think it changes the landscape of potentially what you wanted to do with uh, Chris Middleton versus uh, other potential free agents at the time. Yeah, in that in that time uh, range. Yeah, that could have wanted to come to Milwaukee to play with Giannis because if you did win those that series and you play in the NBA Finals, whether you win it or not. That's the first time that the Bucks really hit the scene in the playoffs with Giannis, yep. where they're playing good and they and they go deep. All they look like a juggernaut. In, yeah, you're in the finals, and you're like, wow, there's something building here. We'll be honest, they they probably lose. Was it to Golden State? Yeah, if I remember correctly. I mean, probably. They, they probably lose. But to you're that still juggernaut, in the NBA finals. But you're you know? in the finals, and now you have guys around the league who already were starting to look at Giannis go, oh, he's up and coming. This guy's really getting good to maybe even wanting to go and play with them where then maybe you end up trading out Chris Middleton at the time for someone that was better that wanted to come play. Yeah. But now they didn't do that. You can say the last couple of years they've, they've kind of regressed in a way during the regular season. And now in the postseason. They're not really playing up to where they were at the height of the up 2-0 against Toronto. Remember, it was like Giannis' seventh year. It's like, well, Michael Jordan didn't win his first NBA championship till he's seven years in the playoffs. There's all these like comparisons with all this. Then all of a sudden, well, you're like, I mean, well, they just get bounced out of the That's the, the same in the second era round. where you had the Dynasty Celtics followed immediately by the Dynasty Pistons. Yeah. And the Bucks. They're probably some of their best teams ever were also in that era. Like they lost in the Eastern Conference finals. They lost in the Eastern Conference semis yeah. uh, throughout most of the 80s and made the playoffs, I think, like every year in the 80s. Um, and their first 20 years were probably the only good years the Bucks have had, you know, <laughs> until Giannis, well, I shouldn't, until the big three came about and you had uh, Cassell, 
the big dog. See, that's when and I, Jesus Shuttlesworth. Well, that that was the height of my young young fandom as a Milwaukee Bucks. That's also fan. when I gave up on the NBA. That's also when I got when became I really these. jaded because it was obviously rigged. Yeah. That was exactly when I started watching was when the Bucks were in the Eastern Conference Finals. What was that, 2001? Yep. Yeah, 2002. So that was like... 2001 season. So that was the first time I ever got Bucks basketball. They're winning. Yeah. And then pretty much you snap your finger after that. And they went uh-huh. to terrible or an eight seed. Yeah. yeah. All right, Until Giannis in the last few years. Let's go to the phones really quick here. Welcome to the show. Who do I got? It's uh, Corey from Marshall. Hey, Corey. What's up, man? <clears throat> well, I want to comment on your Bucks conversation. Please. I think it's a valid point that already brought up just overall looking at the team you know you bring up some good points here that like in the regular season they always just like go bonkers but then in the postseason there seems to be they kind of run into it's like watching when you watch the Packers or you watch like I don't know any of these other teams that we follow where like they run into talent that's equal to or better than them and they can't really do anything like they can pound it you know pound on those who are not quite up to their level, but, like, they can't really get over that hump. So the question I'd have is, like, what do the Bucks actually have there, like, across the board, even, like, counting Giannis and that? How good are they? Because, like, in the postseason, they really haven't been that great, and that's really where you kind of make your hay, so to speak. Yeah. Like, they're a regular season juggernaut, like a quadruple-A player, basically, right? So they can <laughs> beat the hell out of triple-A pitching, but you bring them up to the majors and they can't do anything, so... I think they got some um, real questions to try to answer here, like franchise defining, maybe, like that. Well, I mean, that, they that say line. franchise defining pressure. You're, it's still Corey the second round, right? If you do somehow come back and you beat, you know, the Nets, then you still got the Eastern Conference Finals staring at you. You're not even in the NBA Finals yet, you know? Right, and like, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna come back and beat the Nets. You know, you get blown up by thirty points. But maybe they could. They could. Uh, you know, so question I got is, like, with that Harden, with his injury, is that, like, he's serious or is that just, like, day-to-day? Yeah, okay. he said he's day-to-day. Well, if it's, like, slight, Corey, you'd think that he could be in maybe, if it's not tonight, maybe the next game. But if it's yeah. uh, if it's a legit strain or sprain or, or a strain of his hamstring, he could be out for the whole series and maybe into the right. next series. You know, the crazy thing is, though, Corey, they just beat the Bucks by 39 points without him. And so what, you know, I don't even know what channel to watch them on because I don't even get, like, half the cable, half the channels have gone away on the streaming services. So, like, yeah, I haven't stupid. really even caught a game, and I don't even know what radio station they have them on around this area anymore. But, like, were they just looking, was it mainly the three-point thing where they just were just no, Corey, it was, like it the was, Badgers do every It year? was literally everything. It was every aspect of the okay. game. It was, it, was, it was like a team that uh, already knew they were going to get their asses handed to them, and they just stood out on the court and just – Watch Giannis kind of dribble around. So, and they also up by the three point line. If I was going to compare it to a Badger game, if you remember yeah. from one this winter, I'd compare it to the Michigan yeah. one where no. they got absolutely beat down. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Perfect. So were they doing some like perverse load management in this? Where they're like, well, we'll just. I mean, seriously. No, there was load like, management well, we'll because Budenholzer Boudin, benched all the starters with like nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. Okay. So I'm and Percy is like, happy about it. <laughs> I wonder if that was their plan. Were they? I don't know what their plan is. They're like, hey, guys, we're expected to lose these two in Brooklyn. Let's just get our asses handed to us. (laughs) And we're going to do reverse. Let's just lose them. (laughs) We're we're totally going to play dead. We're going to play possum. And then when they come back to the Pfizer Forum, we're going to pounce. We're going to put them in the corner and get them. We're going to pounce. We're going to circle the wagons and pounce (laughs) them. 
Uh, what do you guys? Uh, what do you think of this Rogers thing? Him not showing up for the mandatory. Even I my expected. wife was asking me about that. What's your? Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm interested, Corey. What's your? Does your wife got a keen eye on sports? Is she, she dialed in? Well, she'll watch. You know, she gets up like four thirty in the morning before she's going to work, and she'll watch the morning news. She's like, "What is your yaya talking about this morning?" Like, <laughs> the Rogers thing, and I'm like, "Well, they were talking about that yesterday." She's like. Why isn't he showing up? She's like, that doesn't say much for if he wants to help out his teammates. Hey, Corey, I have an idea. There. I have an idea. Like, Ask yep. your wife tonight when you come home from work. Be okay. like, hey, honey, I'm thinking about calling in sick to work tomorrow. Uh, they said <laughs> if I showed up, they'll give me $93,000. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to peace out of it. See what she says, okay? <laughs> I think she would laugh at me and probably say, you must be high or something. <laughs> Like, you gotta get your ass in the work. So. Hey Corey, we'll play right. we'll play comments from Devontae Adams coming up, David Bakhtiari as well, okay? Sounds good. Uh, about Rogers. Alright, see you, buddy. Nice hearing from you. Bye. There he is, Corey. Corey from Marshall. Yeah. Stuff. I like how we're yayas. I like that. Lines are already out. Bucks are favored by three tomorrow at the Pfizer Forum against the Nets. Man. What? Is that home? Sure. Is Hart did they say anything about Harden? I don't just I don't know if there is an update on Harden. We're going to talk some Milwaukee Brewers, also some Packers on the way. His mandatory minicamp was yesterday, and of course Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. No surprise, right? I have uh, comments from David Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams, Matt LaFleur. Uh, before we get back to the Brewers, I just I just want to play this from David Bakhtiari. He had a really, and this was from a couple of journalists, a really thoughtful answer from Bakhtiari when he was asked about the line between being a friend to Aaron Rodgers and wanting him back as a teammate at mandatory practice. Here's about I care about Aaron Rodgers uh, from a friend perspective. Whatever he wants to do, whatever the situation that comes out, I will never hold any grudge against him. Uh, that is my friend. That is someone that I have appreciated, and he has done a lot for this organization and a lot for me as an individual. Now, as a teammate, I would be idiotic to say that I don't want the MVP back. Uh, he's the MVP of the league last year. He's done amazing things as from the quarterback perspective, our quarterback position, but not only um, for the franchise. So uh, absolutely, uh, spending time with him, I do give him jabs. But uh, it's in all good and fun. I've definitely voiced to him. I'm like, you know what, whatever happens, look, it's out of my control. The situation is between you and the organization, and that's where it's going to stay. Um, I don't want to at all in any time get in the middle of that. Um, I've respect you as a friend and however that turns out i'm not going to take anything personally so i think it's really the mindset you got to look at everything and appreciate what you have appreciate the things that are in life and look at things in a positive perspective instead of a negative perspective okay that's, pretty, that's a good answer from david bakhtiari i kind of live by that creed too. look at things positively and not negatively if you're a negative individual it's a drain not only on yourself but also the people around you so i i do a vibe with david bakhtiari there but also at the end of the day uh, i know they're teammates and whatnot but, you know, David Bakhtiari signed that extension. Uh, there's Devontae Adams, who is, uh, you know, the Packers want to extend him and give him a new deal, but he's not out comments from him cup coming. But wouldn't you like to hear one person at least say, hey, Aaron, we're literally all here doing our job. It's mandatory. Could you, could you show up? You're under contract for three more years. Wouldn't it be nice to hear someone say that? Do you think anyone would ever say that, boys? Um. I think the closest thing you could probably have gotten to would be Bakhtiari saying it. Just as a teammate, I'd, I'd be idiotic not to say I wouldn't want him here. Well, he just signed an extension and all that. Yeah. I mean, you flat out look at the guy and be like, hey, look, we all restructured to try to win it this year. How about you show up? 
Could you make the case that Tom Brady... Bite the bullet for one year. Was Tom Brady disrespected a lot in New England? I think so. Rowdy? It was disrespected in New England? I don't think so. No, not, not to the... The extent, I'd not say like, hey, disrespect, Tom, like, but know. he was written off as a system quarterback. That the only reason he's winning is because well, I mean, of, like, how about Jimmy Garoppolo? Them drafting Jimmy Garoppolo was that a disrespect to Tom Brady? Like, drafting Jordan Love is a disrespect, and uh, not, not Jordan Love per se, but the fact that you're moving up and trading up to get a quarterback. No, because who was behind him? Who was behind Tom Brady? Brian Hoyer, Brian Hoyer? sorry, it's Matt Castle, not turning my crank. You know, I like that. Uh, and Tom Brady said, "Then pout." Seem- Tom Brady, well, he kind of pouted, and he else, you know, eventually Jimmy Garoppolo went out. But last time I remember, Tom Brady went and won Super Bowls. But, but with Aaron Rodgers, it wasn't the draft pick that didn't bother me. But then, in the same sentence, he later said it bothered me. Said it bothered um, me. The the fact you can't recognize that there's literally nobody behind you. So if there is an injury. You don't even have a chance at winning football games if you go down. Yeah. I mean, that's on him for being selfish and not knowing what your football team looks like. Hell yeah. Because, quite frankly, when we've talked about it before, this football team's depth has gotten so much better since Gutekunst has taken over. No doubt. I mean, you can, you can be upset with where his picks are, all that. I mean, you're... There's an entire draft class from not even five seasons ago now that isn't on this <laughs> roster. Yep, they're all gone. Not one. They're all gone. Um, and, I mean. You know what's even funnier about that? The majority of them aren't even in the NFL. Right. Yeah. Not only are they not on the Packers roster, they're not in the league. I don't even think the startup USFL wants them. <laughs> Which is just going to be quote me on that. the spring league. Yeah. Which. Not that bad of a league. The spring league wasn't. Wasn't. I. There was so, only four teams. Well, Rodgers was. While <laughs> Rodgers was here, you know, carrying this team to NFC Championship games and winning the NFC North. Rowdy, when the AAF started, it was the Green Bay Packers. And correct me if I'm wrong, Nelly, but wasn't it the Green Bay Packers that had the most amount of former players in the AAF or the uh, XFL? XFL. Not, yeah. Not even the I, most amount of players. The most amount from one season ago. Yeah. I remember us <laughs> looking at all the teams and be like, I want to pick this team because they have like 30 Packers on there. I said it more like, Yeah, it was the it was Salt like Lake. You're going the down the list. Who do we have? It was huh? the Salt oh. Lake Stallions. Oh. Yeah, the Salt Lake Stallions. And then they, if you remember correctly, back when that league was still playing, that was the team that was supposed to be like one of, because you remember there weren't obviously 30 XFL teams, but there were so many teams per XFL team where if those guys balled out, they had the first shot at signing them because mm-hmm. they were like quote unquote affiliates, mm-hmm. and just so happened the team that had the most ex Packers was also a Packers affiliate. Yeah, <laughs> crazy how that works out. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, while he was on, or but yeah, he still was, was on the Packers. There but, were huh. guys pretty much on every team of from those leagues that either a were drafted by the Packers or b spent time on the Packers roster. Yeah, which but, is not a good thing. No. no. When you looked at all the NFL teams in the AAF in its very short existence, I don't even think it lasted a whole year. No, and they, then the, they ran out of money. And then the XFL, the one NFL team with the most players from said team was the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was dealing with that roster. Brian Gutekunst comes in and head and shoulders, leaps and bounds, makes the Packers roster better, but now Rodgers is doing this. Yeah, and that was prime Aaron Rodgers that was – 
basically taking teams to the NFC championship game. Yeah. And you don't just snap your fingers like you're Thanos and all of a sudden like half of those guys are gone and replaced by I know he wasn't replacing guys, but replaced by all-stars all of a sudden. It takes I mean, time. He, he was because those yeah. guys weren't there. <laughs> it takes time to <laughs> revamp a roster. And Brian Gutekunst has done it very quickly. I mean, under Ted Thompson, we had a good shot of making the Packers roster and playing defensive back. Yeah, I mean, we could have been in an NFC championship game right alongside of uh, Ladarius Gunter. Gunter. No offense to Gunter. No, none at all. Did he even? Was he in the AAF or the XFL? Uh, I think it's the AAF. Yeah. Looking at the um, the Twitter sphere and all the big J's, including ours, Zach Heilbrand, who are up there uh, opining away on the World Wide Web about what they were noticing and seeing at uh, mandatory minicamp. Yes. Stop me if heard this one before. Aaron Rodgers wasn't there. He, he didn't show up. What? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. I know. Aaron Rodgers, not there. Uh, I saw this. Notes from minicamp. Uh, Rob Demosky had uh, noted this. Jordan Love struggled with accuracy. 12 for 23 passing, including a failed two-minute drill. Devontae Adams was present here, but did very little. It's almost like, you know, your receivers don't show up for an entire week and you didn't get a chance to get chemistry report, with them. But there's this. Apparently, Devin Funchess looks the part. Oh, well, that's good. Of a good wide receiver. That is a good sign. How about, I, I don't know what his actual numbers were. Like you said, Jordan Love was 12 for 23 and mm-hmm. failed in the two-minute uh, drill. But I did see our sports director, Zach Hoppin, post a video of Blake, Blake Bortles. Of, Blake of the year. And that ball and that accuracy looked good. Now it was QB. one one throw on air. That's QB1, Rowdy. But, that's um, QB1, Blake Bortles. Then I also did see another video from another Big J of uh, Bettenkirk. Yeah, Kirk Bettenkirk. He what did a name. look. He didn't look as accurate. They, he he oh. didn't look as. Did great. you see they signed another quarterback too? Uh, I forget who it was. It was some guy I've never heard of before, but it was just for the camp. Uh, but doesn't matter. Yeah, I saw him throwing a couple balls that were also on air. Let's just say. That didn't look very good. <laughs> so on Jordan Love, uh, apparently struggled with his accuracy. So I saw like Rob Demosky saying Jordan Love was struggling. Then I saw other guys saying that Jordan Love was looking pretty good. I don't know if Jordan Love paid some of those guys off. But Jordan Love, according to Rob Demosky, struggled with accuracy. 12 of 23 passing in the t- with the team, including a failed two-minute drill. And then I saw another big J, the guy from The Athletic, saying, Devontae Adams is not participating in full team work, during which Jordan Love took the first 16 snaps. Adams was working with a trainer on the sidelines and then was seen chatting with team president Mark Murphy as Jordan Love was getting all his work in. So Devontae Adams was there, but not doing a lot, especially with Jordan Love. Not running routes for the guy who might be your quarterback. He was instead talking with this guy. I don't want to brag about myself. But <laughs> team idiot, uh, team okay. president, Mark Murphy. Well, everyone's freaking out that Aaron Rodgers isn't there. Well, everyone was freaking out that Devonte Adams and what four other receivers weren't at the yeah, five of the six. Yeah. Voluntary c- camp. Mm-hmm. Cause Devonte Adams left half a mil well, on the table. Like Rogers. Now did. you're telling me, or I'm hearing that Devonte Adams was there, but it was basically for treatment. It was to say hi to everyone. Talk to some of the guys and basically shoot the breeze and just to basically be there and collect the check. Mm. 
are you all right with, would you rather have Aaron Rodgers not being there or being a guy that showed up, collected his check and then decided I'm not practicing today. Yeah. I'm just going to be here on the sidelines, joking around, talking to people. And uh, I don't actually ever want to go talking out to there. royalty, rowdy Mark Murphy. I, I don't know. I feel like that almost might be a worse thing if you were there and then decided not to practice, even though you were 100% healthy. Yeah. Did anybody ask him about that? What? Why didn't you practice today? I have comments from Devontae Adams. In fact, about why you didn't participate today? I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 16 clips from Devontae Adams. Doesn't, do, wouldn't that be almost more or less spitting in like your coach's face if you showed up healthy, if you're Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. But you already knew you're kind of in this little holdout thing, but you collected your check, and then all of a sudden you're like, hey. he's like, all right. I'm going to go talk to Mark. Offense yeah. one out there on the field. And hey, and Aaron's like, Dude, I'm going to go sit I'm over here. here. Mark's over there. I'm going to go talk to Mark on the sideline. I got some other stuff. You to see do. Howdy Doody on the sidelines? I got to go talk to Mark Murphy real quick, man. Or it's like, okay, well, we're going to be running these drills over here for quarterbacks. And Aaron Rodgers goes, ah, eh, that was a water quad, cooler. Quad's a little tight. I'm going to have uh, someone go rub it out. Like, I think that would look even worse. Here's what's going to happen. Devontae Adams, he was doing some stuff. Not a lot. We're going to have comments from Devontae Adams coming up. RJ had requested them. I know Rowdy was asking some questions as well. So we'll try to get inside the mind of Devontae Adams. As yes, he was there, but did very little. Jordan Love struggled a little bit, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. Devontae <laughs> Adams was also asked about you know a contract. Because... If I remember correctly, isn't this his last year, Rowdy? Before, yes, uh, it is. Yeah, there you go. All right, so you guys are asking about Devontae Adams because Devontae Adams missed voluntary workouts. He left half a million dollars on the table, just like Aaron Rodgers had. Um, but then Devontae Adams yesterday was at mandatory minicamp but really wasn't doing anything. In fact, when the first-team offense was going uh, with Jordan Love as quarterback, QB1, he was on the sidelines talking to Mark Murphy. Okay. Well, RJ, you would ask the questions like, well, did anyone ask him? Why he did that? Well, in fact, they did. Nice. Here is Devontae Adams and why he sat out most of practice. We're not trying to do anything crazy. I think it's a lot of guys that we got out there, a lot of new faces that need to be out there and, and get some experience, you know, a much shorter offseason than what we have had in the past. So I think just getting a couple extra faces out there and getting them some reps is uh, the focus. I don't think I need to prove too much in OTAs right now. Just keep making sure I'm in shape and still get my workouts in. So, you know, that's what matters. Now, let's say that possibly <laughs> your quarterback, who you have been taking passes from for your entire career, isn't coming back. Wouldn't you think that? Wouldn't you think you'd want to take passes from the guy who's going to be your quarterback or a guy who's going to be your quarterback? You, you would think. You would think. At that point, if I'm trying to, you know, go into the final year of my contract... Yep trying to get a bigger contract for next year, yep. I'm trying to make chemistry yeah. with the guy who's going to be giving me the ball, mm -hmm. yeah. whoever that is. I am not giving the rookies or the new faces time to take that away. I would I'm demand the attention yeah, because well, I want the money. I'll be completely honest. When, when you start the, you know, voluntary mini camp and then your little week long training camp and we're in the first week or so of June. I honestly don't give two craps if Aaron Rodgers or Devontae Adams are there because they're some of the best in the game. These little 
90 minute practices, some of them less than an hour. They're not going to make or break these guys, whether they're all pros or not. I care more or less that Jordan Love or people like Jordan Love and that those type of like positions the guys coming up. are getting more reps because, yeah, they have went through a, the, the COVID year last year. They didn't have their preseason. But my biggest thing when looking at Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, again, I don't care if they're there. My biggest thing is since you've been there every single year until this year, mm-hmm. why aren't you there and what's changed? Now, we know why Aaron Rodgers isn't there and what has changed. There's even a bigger riff where he doesn't want to be there. He, from all it seems like, wants out of Green Bay, and there is this stalemate between him and the front office. Okay, we know that one. You get it. Understand it. Well, Devontae Adams didn't show up to voluntary, which he normally does. Yes. He didn't collect his 500000 which he normally does. Correct. He now shows up to the mandatory one to collect his however much thousands of dollars and whatever and it doesn't get fined about a hundred thousand dollars but then he's not actually partaking any of the drills which he's done in the past whether he was a top 10 receiver top five receiver or number one receiver in the league why what has changed is it it's changed for him because it's changed for aaron Rodgers. now you're tied to him to the hip well i have i I have more comments coming up He, he actually addresses that rowdy but real quick because remember and uh, you had brought it up too, RJ, and I think Nelson did as well, that the other wide receivers also didn't show up for voluntary, and now they're here for mandatory. Like, guys that really probably needed the reps because yeah. they haven't, like, Equimania St. Brown, Devin Funches. So Devontae Adams was asked why five of the six wide receivers weren't present for the voluntary ones, but here now. And in no way did I sway or tell anybody to do anything. They They all made their own decision, you know, based off of what they had going on, and it was not not one time did uh, the Devonte Adams tell either of those receivers not to show up. So whatever those guys do, I mean, it's guys that can use the development that that weren't there. So I mean, I would never do that. That would be selfish. It's the guys who could use the development that weren't there, and yet some of those guys have been out with injury, hmm. haven't really gotten the reps on the field because they're buried on a depth chart. <laughs> Um. Well, just just the, opted out last year. Just the line in general. It's the line that you have to give, no matter if you did do that or not. Right. If you can, if you swayed some receivers not to show up, whether it was him or Aaron Rodgers, that's not an answer you're gonna give to the media no. or to anyone. He gave the the only answer he could give. All right. So that's more, just the who cares answer. More that's a who cares question. More from Devonte Adams. Now they really get into Aaron Rodgers, and he's talk. They ask him about Rodgers. And if he, um, you know, how the front office should react. Well, first I'll say, here's Devonta Adams backing up Aaron Rodgers. He says he'd scream from a mountaintop for number 12. The best thing for Aaron and people that know him well know that he, he loves you when you have his back. So, I mean, that's that's how I am naturally. So it's not forced, but I got his back through everything. So he knows at the end of the day, if there's ever a wonder of, you know, he's lost a, a teammate or something because of all this come out, like he knows where I stand. I'll stand on the phone. Excuse me. I'll stand on the mountain, scream on the mountaintop, you know, that I, that I got his back. More from uh, Adams on standing up for teammates. He hasn't beat any women. He didn't do anything crazy. He just feels you know, a certain type of way uh, right now. And sometimes that's when people need uh, their teammates and wow. people around them most. So, you know, I would never, I would never, even if, even if I did feel like, you know, someone didn't like the fact that I did that, it wouldn't change anything about me because, I mean, I am who I am and, you know, I stand for what I stand for. So at the end of the day, you know, if I feel like I should be there for whoever through, through what, what they're going through, I'm going to be there. 
Did he get that line from Popeye? I am's what I am. I am's what I am. And that's all that I am. Popeye never beat any women either. No. He uh, he beat the hell out of uh, Bluto. Yeah, Bluto trying to steal olive oil. <laughs> Man. Uh, how do you just. He didn't beat any women or yeah, anything. Bro, oh. He hasn't beat any women. He didn't do anything crazy. He just feels, you know, a certain type of way. All right, Demonte. Thanks. All right. It's good to know. I didn't assume he did. So. All right, here's more from Devontae Adams. <laughs> Glad that got cleared up, though. <laughs> yeah, it's clear, it's clear the air there. Uh, Adams also said he would never pressure Rodgers into returning to play with him. So at this point, it's just going to come down to the, the logistics and him and the, the rest of the club kind of ironing out whatever they have to figure out. And none of that's uh, on me, and I really don't know as much um, as, as what you guys probably think about it, too. So just let that let them handle that. And, you know, that's, that's nothing for me. I got my own stuff to be worrying about. So, you know, obviously worry about, you know, missing my quarterback potentially. But as far as really ironing out and, you know, do this or do that, that's, that's not really my place. The thing is, the logistics are figured out. You're under contract. Get your butt here. Well, here's the thing. Devontae Adams says Aaron Rodgers is steering the ship in this situation. Well, I mean, he's steering the ship, man, like like he does so well. I mean, this is a you know, obviously a very delicate situation and it's it's tough to really know how to navigate through it, especially when you got a guy who has way more experience than than what you do. You know, I, I feel like I have a lot of, you know, good words I could offer, but I mean he's a grown man and you know, I don't I truly don't know everything of what's going on with the situation. But Real quick, Adams talks about how the front office should react to Devontae Adams backing up Aaron Rodgers. It, it can never be awkward because I think that any GM, any president, any owner, they should want type of guys that are, you know, backing their players, especially a player like that. You know, that's that's just a good trait to have. You know, it's not like I'm saying forget the 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 front office. Like, you know, I don't respect what they have going on. I'm just saying I back my guy up. And he'd scream on top of a mountain for in support of Aaron Rodgers. On top of a... Sorry. Well, he himself at it. He almost dropped the F-bomb, but he, he knew. I mean, that sounds more like a guy who's getting ready to check out of Green Bay as well. Well, here's the thing. He was asked about if he'd hold out if he doesn't get a new deal. Because, right, Rowdy? Isn't Devontae Adams up after this year? He is, but wouldn't you, have think, wouldn't you think that they already would have extended him, especially in the certain salary cap? Um... You'd think. Well, Rodgers is holding out. Devontae Adams asked if he would hold out. If he doesn't get a new deal. Yeah, I'll be here, man. I'll be here. I, I signed up to, to go to work and play. I'm from East Palo Alto, California. I grew up with, with zero dollars. I'm not uh, <laughs> not forfeiting any of my money that I've earned. Uh, hang on. Who's laughing at hang that? On. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's listen again. Uh, not forfeiting any of my money that I've earned. Uh, Didn't he leave half a million dollars on the table for not oh, showing up to voluntary work? That's, that's why... he's earned. Okay. So his contract, I think he's talking about his earned money. The others are the bonuses. bonuses. Okay. Well, I just don't get why we don't have any um, big J's that are on the scene. Maybe we're going to have to hit Heilprin in his other knee to get him to ask a question. Uh, Straight up ask him, hey, how come you've been to all of the voluntary and and, uh, non-voluntary camps before? Why weren't you at this one? Yeah. (laughs) I want to know who laughed at him growing up poor. Yeah, I'll be here, man. I'll be here. I, I signed up to, to go to work it. and play. I'm from East Palo Alto, California. I grew up with, with zero dollars. I'm not uh, <laughs> not forfeiting any of my money that I don't I've think they're earned. laughing that he was poor. Well, I think they're laughing. That's how he, his, his inflection, his tone of voice. But still. I, mean, I, 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 I kind of chuckled. I don't think he was really saying that as, hee hee, this is kind of funny. Yeah. He, he's like, I'm... I, here, I like oh, there's there's a little more. I haven't heard the whole thing of it. Let me t- zero dollars. I'm not uh, <laughs> not forfeiting any of my money that I've earned. Uh, 
and signed for already. So I'll be I'll be there for sure. They get I love I love a success story. I love when people get money. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Don't get it twisted. I ain't a player hater. I love when people get money. But if I'm just saying, if I was in the shoes of someone that had a workout bonus of half a million dollars, and you grew up with no money. And it was voluntary. I would voluntarily put myself on yeah. the first plane to get that half a million it's dollars. It's one easy question that you had to ask him. How come you missed the the voluntary ones where you're making? I mean, you know that's just gonna that's just gonna be like, oh, it was a personal situation. Uh, I'd rather not talk about it right now. And then the sound clip becomes, what was his personal family issue that didn't allow him to go to to Green Bay? But he would scream it from top of a mountain. Top of a. Isn't Sorry, that an Anchorman that. quote? Hey, it is. When Ron Burgundy is... Uh, I love you. I love you. I, and, I'd yell it from the top have, of a mountain. I didn't have a mountain. I had a TV camera. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I'd scream it from the top of a mountain. Prove it, Devante. Get on the highest point in Wisconsin and yell it on top of... Uh, go to Devil's Lake on one of those bluffs and yell it out. <laughs> I love you, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Another guy who's on the road, but for different reasons, he's going up to Packers minicamp. He was there last or yesterday, there today. Our sports director, Zach Heilprin. Zach, what's up, my brother? What's going on, guys? Um, well, we were just listening a little earlier to clips of Devontae Adams, clips of David Bakhtiari, as well as head coach Matt LaFleur of Packers mandatory minicamp yesterday. But, Zach, since you were there yesterday, let me make it officially official. Aaron Rodgers was not there, correct? Correct. Yes, he was. He was missing. He was the only, and he was the only one missing that uh, that didn't have COVID issues. I guess you could say He's the, he was the only absence that was unexcused at this point. I guess we don't know if he was excused or not, but uh, for no reason other than just he didn't want to be there. So, Zach, to, to clear the air, has Rogers ever missed mandatory minicamp before? No. Has he ever missed the voluntary he's, he's, workouts before? He's barely missed. Uh, any off season uh, in his time, like I, can, I, like I'll have to go back and look, but I don't think he has because he always has. He always has that bonus in there that, you know, why would you? You know, all you have to do is show up, kind of thing. Why would you not for five hundred thousand dollars? But yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's always taking part in the off season program. So, and the COVID issue is what was that? The 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 Smith brothers, Dean Lowry. Um... Doesn't matter. And Elton Jenkins. Yeah, and Elton Jenkins. It, yeah, not necessarily a positive test, just uh, they're in the protocols. But uh, Elton Jenkins wasn't at OTAs last week. He had been there the week before, so I wonder if he did have a positive uh, test. And okay. then they were close contacts there. And so, yeah. Gotcha. All right. So, Zach, the biggest question we'll get to Devontae Adams and his comments and whatnot, and comments from Bakhtiari and LaFleur, yada, yada, yada. But the biggest question, I think, is who's going to be quarterback if number 12 Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be around? How did Jordan Love look first day of mandatory minicamp? I think I would use Devontae Adams' words. And, you know, he's, he looks locked in. He knows what he's supposed to be doing, but he's also pretty nervous. And I think it played out yesterday. Uh, he missed uh, missed some easy throws. Didn't really throw the ball down the field. He had one deep throw to uh, MVS that wasn't, particularly close it looked like mvs wasn't overly pleased with with that because how how do you overthrow him but uh also you know a lot of all the completions he went 12 or 23 in teamwork all the completions were, were almost always within five yards of the line of scrimmage so not a not a great day but again he was working with guys 
you know, all the outside of Del, you know, Devontae didn't really take part in practice. All these other guys hadn't, you know, been here for OTA, so he's working with them for probably the first time since last training camp. So I mean, I guess we can give him a little bit of a, uh, you know, a break. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't overly impressive. So. Interesting. What, 12 for 23 in 11 on 11 in drills? And I was, um, you know, listening to LaFleur's comments and I was reading your beautiful article at madcitysportsland.com. He, uh, Jordan Love, that is, didn't do too hot in the two minute drill then either, eh? Yeah, I mean, the, the two minute drill was a bit of a, uh, a disaster. I, I'll say. I, I was going to say it is, but I mean, it's, it's mini camp. You know what I mean? It's, it's June. Who, you know, it's not that big of a deal, but he did have a couple uh, overthrows. He had overthrew, uh, Robert Tanyan on on a sideline route, and on fourth down, he overthrew Malik Taylor for what would have been a first down. So there were uh, a couple of throws that I'm sure he would have been had back. Now the overthrows, to me, I think that's just being jacked up a little bit too much, a little bit you know nervousness. But those are throws that um, your starting quarterback needs to make. Yeah, interesting. So what was what was Devonte Adams doing during this time then? Because I was reading you know from your work, Zach, that he wasn't really doing much at all. What was he? What was Devonte Adams doing? Uh. Yeah, he, he was talking to Mark Murphy. So I was talking to Mark Murphy for a little bit. Um, he, again, I, I think they're just holding him out, just trying to make it so you know they don't do anything stupid with him. He hasn't been around pretty much all off season here, so I think it's just a matter of being safe with it. He was doing a little stuff on the side, you know, a little conditioning and that type of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I didn't see I didn't see him run a single route uh, yesterday, so. Well, so would you say uh, again, that he's I, would you say he's taking a page out of Marshawn Lynch's book? I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yes, yes, accurate, and, and that's what he said, and he said as much. <laughs> Zach Halpern, our sports director, joining us right now. I also chuckled at this tweet uh, that you had out yesterday, and Rowdy brought it up, and uh, I said it was QB one. How did how did the Blake of the year? How did how did the boat Blake Bortles look? Yeah, I've never watched Blake Bortles a lot. And I just realized yesterday watching practice how bad of uh, mechanics he has and how, like, this hitch that he has in his throw is just insane. But, yes, he had one, he had one, good, uh, one good session. Otherwise, I, I didn't think he was very good. But he had one good session where he went 5-for-5 five five in the two-minute drill and found Isaac not a, a backup tight end for a 35-yard touchdown. The pass wasn't that good, but the guy was wide open. Um, so it, it, the 5-for-5 five five in the 35-yard touchdown made it look much like, like he had a much better day than he probably did because – Again, they didn't give him, they didn't give him or um, Kurt Benkert barely any reps whatsoever. It was almost—I mean, I've never seen a quarterback take as many reps as Jordan Love has, huh. both in the OTAs and in uh, minicamp. I've never seen it happen in, in uh, you know, in these type of practices. Man, now I know Zach. When it comes to being the big J that you are, it's uh, you're not going to, you know, wane one way or the other and, and take that information and run with it. But after this phone call, I think I'm going to do that. But uh, when it comes to Aaron Rodgers uh, specifically, I want to save that to the end, but there's a guy in front of Rodgers that or helps protect Aaron Rodgers, and that would be David Bakhtiari. Now, Brian Gutekunst was talking about how good he looked you know, before, I think it was involuntary workouts talking about it, and you know, Matt LaFleur talking about how good he looked in his recovery. How was Bakhtiari looking, and what did he have to say about him possibly starting, being ready for the start of the season? Yeah, so he, he joked that, he would 100% be ready for training camp in 2022. Um, but he was making no promises in terms of when he would be back this season. Um, he was asked about, you know, September 12th and whether he's going to be ready. He said, I'm not going to put a timetable on it. I'm when the, you know, when the doc clears me, then I clear myself, then I'm able to play at the level that they need me to play me at, play, uh, play at, they need him to play at, then he'll be there. 
and we don't know exactly when that date is, but he is clearly um, ahead of schedule. I think just based on what I've seen from him just off to the side doing rehab, I think he is for uh, for September 12th. But, again, we uh, we don't know if he's going to be mentally yeah. ready. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's, I, to me, I think he's going to be physically ready, but the mental aspect of it is, is probably going to be as tough as anything. All right, Zach. So speaking of mental aspects, obviously mm. there's this cloud here, like that transition. Obviously there's this cloud mm. that's, it's just, it's like a, every day Zach gets better and better. It's like a fine line, mm. maybe. There's you, and, this, you and Grant Bilsey. <laughs> by the way, he just texted me. He's wondering if I could do a hit with him tonight. Um, on, on the radio, not drugs. Yeah, Zach, uh-huh. wh- he's in lacrosse. Uh, Zach, hey. when it comes to the, the cloud, the mental cloud that hangs over everywhere in Titletown and anyone that is a Packers fan, obviously it is Aaron Rodgers. What was, uh, was there like a lot of people asking questions to when given the opportunity and which we appreciate about Aaron Rodgers? Like what did LaFleur, what was it like when he was fielding questions about Aaron Rodgers and if he was uh, aware that he was not going to be there or not? I think he's done with it. I think he wants to be done answering questions about it because he's been answering in the same way here the last couple of weeks, and that is just, well, it's a day-to-day situation. We're working through it. We hope to remedy it. We want him back. And that's the same message he's been given. Now, he would not say whether it was an excused absence and whether they would waive the fine that he could be fined, but I would imagine they will. But he said, that, he said that's a team matter, but otherwise uh, it's just pretty much status quo. As for Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari, they support him 100%. As you would expect, um, but they're also they're friends, right? Like they, especially David Bakhtiari, is really good friends with Aaron Rodgers. They have a lot of respect for each other, so he's not going to like if, if Aaron Rodgers stays away, he's not going to hold that against him. It's not going to be a grudge that he holds just because uh, he he doesn't want to play for the Packers. And they're friends. That's not going to change. But they both admitted that you know, as teammates, as members of the team, they want him back badly, and. Uh, they are hoping and praying that he will eventually decide to return. Zach Halperin, our sports director, joining us right now. Zach, I can't wait for your triumphant return from Green Bay uh, earlier later today, and uh, you know, back in our hallways here at Midwest Family Broadcasting. But let me ask you, my brother. <laughs> yeah, I know that's good, isn't it? Rogers could be fined ninety-three thousand dollars, a little over that. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to it. I know I have not. But have you ever? seen an organization like i.e. the Packers waive this fine for someone not showing up for mandatory minicamp? I guess I... I, I I've never paid I attention to it at all. I, I've never been, I don't think the Pack, like The Packers have always had guys that are either here or they're excused. So I don't think... I can't remember them ever doing it. Now, I also believe the fines are new. Not not necessarily like you can't be, you know, for minicamp. I think the new CBA kind of changed some things in terms of fines. Like, when he gets to training camp, and if he doesn't show up, it's fifty thousand dollars a day, and that can't be waived. Mm. So it'd be it would be close to like two million dollars if he sat out all of training camp. Those are ones those those fines cannot be waived, but th- this one uh, can. And um, again, it would be I'm sure. But yes, I I, I haven't uh, I've never heard of it happening in Green Bay. 
I'm sure it's helped it happen elsewhere, but not here. Yeah, I've I've never been like aware of it because I've never paid attention to it either because it's never been like a guy, you know, like on the team that I cheer for and pay attention to, like Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, Zach, right. anything else that we missed, you know, from uh, mandatory minicamp? Any, like, little surprises or things that jumped out off the field at you? Was there anything else besides, obviously, not, Aaron Rodgers not there, Devonta Adams talking to, for some reason, Mark Murphy? I'm sure it was an electric conversation. And uh, Jordan Love being, you know, like, the main guy? A.J. Dillon, his thighs get any thicker? Yeah, we're not talking about A.J. Thighs Dillon. Uh, it's it's the, uh, A.J. <laughs> Quad, uh, quad, uh, the quad father and the quadzilla. I think you named both of them. Yes, we won't be talking about those. Yeah, no, it was again. It was the focus was. We'll on, save that for ESPN. Yeah, the focus was on George Love and <laughs> that, and that'll be the same way it is today. Because uh, as long as he continues to look like he does right now, you have to wonder. I mean, I don't know what the Packers can do to get Aaron Rodgers back, but you would think anything that they see in these next uh, few days here will continue to impact of what they wanted, what they are willing to do to satisfy Aaron Rodgers. I feel like there's one move, and I know you're not going to say it, but I feel like it was been talked about, is uh, the um, exiting of Brian Gutekunst. But let me ask you, has yeah, the, was the that's GM... not going to happen. N- no doubt. Was the GM walking around yesterday, like an extra like uh, you know, pep in his step? Was he strutting around the field? <laughs> a little cock of the walk? He, he, is, he is always at practice. He was there yesterday. I didn't focus on him, but I'll do that today to see if I can see if we can't see a little uh, pep. Yeah, see if he's a got a little swagger. feather. See if he's got a little feather in his cap. Okay. See if he's got, see if he's got some Alvarez swagger walking around the field. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right, Zach. Well, thanks, man. Oh, and the Packers signed someone yesterday, right? An inside linebacker. Well, they're they're planning to sign. Oh, yeah. Gotta, it, do the physical still? Yeah, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, if Andre Campbell played for Atlanta last year, but I think he had close to 100 tackles. But yeah, he's just add him another piece into that uh, inside linebacker group that. Still is a little unsettled, you would think. All right, Zach. Well, we're going to let you uh, continue to drive up to Titletown there. Make sure you get a keen eye on Brian Gutekunst to see if he's, like, you know, the cock of the walk out there right now. His chest puffed oh. out a little more. You know, he's got that little just like that strut to him. And then, you know, brought, see, see if you can get some Aaron Rodgers questions, you know, peppered in. Yeah. Brought the uh, binoculars, and I'll keep those, I'll keep those <laughs> zoned in Ooh, nice. on Brian Gutekunst. Hey, don't get caught with a wandering eye on A.J. Dillon's thighs either, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, never. <laughs> All right, see you, buddy. Have fun up there. I'm sure it'll yeah, be a blast bye. watching Jordan Love check down. See ya. Nope. Pipe pumped. There it is. Too excited, Rowdy, about those the Quadzilla and the Quadfather. Brian and Brian Gutekunst just strutting around. Here's what they need to do. Play this song. On repeat today at Mandatory Minicamp. Maybe Rogers is listening. Players, baby, come back. This is for you, Rogers. Baby, come back. All right, we'll come right back. Plus some crew on the way. I saw this. Uh, He he comes on the show once in a while. He spurned us a couple times lately. Will Salmon uh, from The Athletic, who covers the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, He tweets this out about 20 minutes ago. The Brewers, 34 and 26, are a season best eight games over 500. They've won 13 of 16 since May 22nd. Different players have helped each game, and the production is similar for a handful of contributors. Their leader for war among position players during that stretch? Willie Adamas. Dude, how sick is Willie Adamas? Well, there was that uh, guy's the truth. There was a stat since they acquired him that in their last 15 games since the trade, they're 12 and 3. 
And now I believe that would be 13-3 and three after the win last night. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, you'd sent um, a little interview. Let me. I wanted to play that. Here it was. Craig Council was on well, if you remember, MLB Network talking about Willie Adonis. Yeah, if you remember going back to early, early in the season where it was like a platoon at shortstop between Orlando Arcia and Luis Arias. Arias. And... Really, no one was really taking the reins of that job. No, nobody. Arias was hitting the ball a little bit better. But like, Garcia was playing better defense. Arias would have like eight errors a game. Both guys would try out at third base for so a second three, year. Three a game. And no one was really taking the reins. And Stearns decided, well, let me oh. give the younger guy that's got more of the current ceiling the shot. Traded uh, Orlando Arcia. It was Orlando Arcia. And what was the big thing that most of the guys said that they were going to miss about Orlando Arcia? Well, it really wasn't any of his play on the field. It was all about him being a clubhouse guy, him being kind of like a, a glue guy that was kind of like getting the guys going, keeping the guys excited. Yep. Well, now here is kind of what Craig Council has said since they made, because then they had a little rough patch where Urias was struggling in the field. Obviously you had like Daniel Robertson and Jace Peterson and all those guys that were like basically spackled together to try and fill like yeah. infield positions. Yeah. They went through that tough stretch. Then they acquired Willie Adamas said he kind of brought some leadership. And then this is what Craig council said. I believe the MLB network. All right. So here's Craig council. Yes, you, you are correct to MLB network on Sirius XM. Not to be confused with WTRD, the turd here is uh Craig council on Willie Adamas. I think most thing that has changed is that we've started to swing the bats um and it's it's really coincided with us getting willie adamas and um a bunch of other guys have started to swing in the bat since willie got here and willie's done a great job and we've just scored more runs our, our pitching's been very consistent uh throughout the year we went in about a kind of a two-week slump uh, around that philly series and 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 we didn't win many games because we just weren't scoring um and then the last two weeks we've we've started to score again with the pitching staying uh, really consistent uh, there's a little bit from Craig Council and Willie Adamas. One bat in general, Rowdy, really woke up big time once Willie Adamas acquired. That was Luis Urias. Well, I think you could even go and say two. And they they happen to be two of the guys that Urias. had been somewhat friends with him and or played winter league ball with him. Yeah. Or are guys like Carlos Gomez that yeah, grew, friends up, with Go-Go. Yeah, grew up in the same hometown as, as him in the Dominican Republic and said, you're going to love Milwaukee. The fans there are awesome. It's a great place to play. You'll love it there. And then he had already connected with Urias and Garcia. Yeah. Both of those guys have really turned it on in the last two to three Hell, weeks. Didn't Garcia just hit his t- uh, team-leading 12th home run last night? He did. Hell yeah, he did. And that was to tie the game. Yep. And then later on, it was um, who's the, who? Uh, I know Travis Shaw out of the insurance at the end there. Who's the one that uh, got her going? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. I took a look. Uh, yeah, because last night the Brewers win again, their fifth in a row. It was Garcia, then Yelly grounded into a double play, uh, second to shortstop the first, but Urias scored. Vogelbach out at second, then Garcia reached on an infield single to shortstop. Peterson scored. Yelly to second. Urias to third in the seventh. Then Shaw added the insurance in the ninth. I think the biggest thing that whether it's leadership or just kind of the it factor that he's brought. Another big thing that he brought was stability at shortstop. And that's uh, when a lot of people are questioning the trade. I said the one thing that you have to applaud David Stearns for was the fact that he went out and upgraded the shortstop position. Because there was no doubt he upgraded the shortstop position 
with that trade. Oh, for sure. But now you allow before Colton Wong got injured and is on the IL, mm-hmm. you allow mm-hmm. someone like Urias to now start to be a platoon player with Shaw because Shaw was struggling so mightily in May. And then once Colton Wong went down, you allowed him to get into his best, most natural position at second base. Yep. And it's continued to, to play well. All and right. Adamas has really been really, really good defensively too. Yeah, here's more from Craig Council talking about Willie Adamas, the uh, the Brewers' newest acquisition. Who this dude's a beast. Here's more from Council on Sirius XM. When you, I, I wanted to ask you about Willie Adamas because you know he was the leader. He was a, everyone looked upon him in Tampa, and he gets traded over. Young guy getting over there. How it? How has he become that player still with you guys being new? Right. I mean, and, and adjusting and trying to do that. But it looks like the the boys are following still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the big thing you said is Willie's a leader, and it from at, at his age at twenty five years old, yeah. it, it's just really impressive. Um, but the best thing he does is that he gives. He's an energy giver. Uh, that's the best way to say it. He's, he gives energy to other people. Um, they respond to it. Uh, he cares about other people, um, and you sense that. I think it's just one of those. And those are people that you follow. And that part of his personality, you know, doesn't take a day off. And that's why the leaders are so important. And, and that's what really what Willie has done. There you go. Willie Thomas, the 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 stick that stirs now the Milwaukee Brewers. Well, and one of the big you remember the negatives when they first acquired him. A lot of people were complaining that oh, this guy's only hitting one ninety seven. This guy's hitting below two hundred. He'll fit right in with this team. Yeah. Well, Adamus just in general is about a two fifty five hitter. Little bit of pop, going to have more at Amfam Field now, but great defensively too, mm-hmm. and we'll give you good at bats. Well, since he's come to Milwaukee, obviously he's raised his batting average over 15 points. And with the Brewers, he's hitting over 250. So he's be- he is playing to the level that he has so far in his career, which is exactly what the Brewers were hoping for when they acquired him. Yep. A plus glove with a plus arm and a, and a shortstop that can hit you 250 with a little bit of pop. Rowdy, speaking of timelines, the Brewers just completed their 60th game Last night, beating the Reds 5-1, five, five in a row for your Milwaukee Brewers. First place in the NL Central, by the way. And last year, there was a 60-game regular season where the Brewers were absolutely abysmal. I, remember that last year, Rowdy, of just how terrible it was to watch the crew? It was honestly hard to watch every single night. And then it was like, do you remember? So right around this time, mm. obviously, last year, where the Milwaukee Brewers finished 29-31 and 31, and... They had the opportunity of being the eight seed in the playoffs. And they appreciated that. The <laughs> where, opportunity. We, where we had to to get excited Over for the little three-game series against the Dodgers. And then I think it was about um, inning one of the first game of the playoffs where you're like, hey, it's baseball. You know, even in a three-game series, a bad team can win a yeah. series. America's pastime, anything's you know, possible. Brewers, maybe, whatever. Yeah. And then I think it was inning number one of the first game, and it was like, oh. Yeah, they're like, well, this is over. <laughs> the Dodgers <laughs> are already pummeling them. Yes. So the 60-game regular season was last year, and it was bad. That was It was a tough watch. Now, obviously, a full season this year, they've just completed 60 games. But tell the fine folks of the numbers you were crunching. Yeah, so last year we talked about it was them and the Astros were the first two teams ever to make the playoffs that didn't have a winning record. Brewers were 29-31. and 31. 
This year through 60 games, Brewers are 34 and 26. Now on the surface, you're like, oh, that's five games. But it's in a 60-game season. If you extrapolate that out to a 162-game season, right now the Milwaukee Brewers are on pace to win 92 games. If they would have played 162 last year, they were on pace to win 78 games. That's a 14-game difference. Wow. That's a hell of a difference between a potential NL Central contender to win the division and a team that's not even going to be in a normal year flirting with any type of playoff or wild card position. Wow. And then we're still not really seeing any improvements on the they're, hitting. They're scoring less, right? Yeah. So they're actually, if you remember correctly, when they were went through that two and a half weeks of hell, I don't know. Well, they went through it, and fans obviously went through it. Well, too. Rowdy, you were so mad. Like, what was that? Two weeks ago, that you said you were not even going to watch the Brewers anymore. They and were thankfully you still did. They were averaging three point six runs per game. That was good enough for third to last in Major League Baseball. And you remember how we were joking about the teams that were below them were like the Mariners. And but all the teams that got no hit. Yeah, it was like it was the Mariners no, no, and, no. The, and the Pirates, I believe, at the time. And you're like, really? And we're like, oh. we're like, it's inevitable until the Brewers get no hit. And now we've seen that they've went now on two ten or two five game winning streaks here in the last two and a half weeks after that yep. just brutal two and a half weeks prior. Finally getting hot. They've now raised their runs per game to three point nine three. So that's about a third of a run a game more just in the last three weeks they've been able to raise that. Yeah. Now granted, that's still below where they were at last year. When we were complaining at how bad their offense was, because last year their offense averaged about 4.1 runs per game. Ugh. Now, that just one that speaks to how good the starting pitching's been, because if you remember back to last year, the bullpen was pretty decent. I believe it, it ended up finishing as a top 10 bullpen. I believe it came in at 10th. Yeah. Don't quote me. Yeah. But then they also had no hitting because Yelich was way below where you thought he would come back at. And Hira, though he was productive, was not hitting the baseball to the extent of what you thought was going to happen. (laughs) That team's still averaging about a fifth of a run more than what they're currently at, especially after this really hot two- to three-week stretch. But the other thing is, look how good their starting pitching continues to to be. be. Yeah, they're incredible. And now... They got two guys that are in the race for the Cy Young. If you have Freddie Peralta, is just right around there too. If you have Hader, Williams, and Boxberger, seems to be uh, figuring it out. I mean, he is the old veteran arm that's ha- been there, done that. Yeah. If those three that those three guys can continue to be healthy and, and and start to get back into the flow of things, I think you can only see the bullpen get better. I don't think this is a top ten bullpen like it was the last three years, but I think it can be about a middle-of-the-road bullpen, yeah. which obviously is much I mean, better We're kind of than seeing that right now, aren't we? What it's at, because right now it's it's been floating anywhere from the 12th worst bullpen to the 8th worst bullpen. If they can get somewhere around, I don't know, 14 to 16, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, that'll help them quite a bit, but it it's also the, the hitting. If they can just continue to hit just a little just, bit more just because, a little of, bit. Just because of how good that starting pitching has been, I mean, my God, if if uh, the rule of thumb is to get to about four and a half runs per game, if the Milwaukee Brewers, in theory, could do that, they would be the 14th best team when it comes to scoring. Really? It, could you imagine this team if they were the 14th best team? God, they'd be running away with the NL Central. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>